Hi, friends. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff, and I want to know, are you ready to have some fun? Well, it's about time we get serious about having fun. If you know me, you know that I'm a proud Enneagram 7 who absolutely loves to throw a party and have fun. I'm tired of people saying that we need to grow up and be serious all the time. Life is serious. Why should I be? Okay, now I think the older that we get, the more it feels like fun is a liberty or something that we have to earn if we tick off everything on our to-do list. But y'all, we survived one of the most traumatic years of our generation in 2020, and I'm here to tell you that if you're alive, it is high time that we kick up our heels and learn to have some fun. The playwright, George Bernard Shaw, said, we don't stop playing because we grow old. We grow old because we stop playing. Most of us want to have fun. It just seems as that it's not as easy as it used to be. Why? Here are the top three reasons. Number one, guilt, because others aren't having fun. Two, inappropriateness, because others around us can't have fun. Or three, lack of time, because our commitment to others won't allow us to have fun. On today's podcast, I've invited my good friend, Annie F. Downs, from That Sounds Fun podcast to discuss why fun is important and how we can get more fun in our lives. And it's not just Annie, the empress of fun, who says that this is needed. Science gives an encouraging nod that we need to make time for fun and perhaps even prioritize it. Since the term fun can be ambiguous and is often used in different contexts, let's first take a look at the standard definition of the word. Oxford Dictionary defines fun as amusement, especially lively and or playful. Staying true to the definition, we generally connect the word fun to things that are entertaining and enjoyable to do. It is important to keep in mind that what's fun for you might not be fun for someone else. Nevertheless, there are enough scientific studies that prove that we need to have more fun, especially after a year like 2020. Now, before I dive into my chat with Annie Downs, here are five reasons why science suggests that we should have more fun. Please grab a pen and take note because this is important stuff. Number one, having more fun improves your relationship. Research shows that when we have fun with others, these experiences have a positive effect on building trust and developing communication. Having fun gives us an opportunity to connect and be creative. When we laugh together, this sends an external nonverbal message that says, we are alike and we share values, says the researcher Adam Everett for the Library of Leadership and Management. Doctors John and Julie Gottman, relationship experts from the Seattle Gottman's Research Institute, they have been studying happy and unhappy couples and their patterns of behavior in a systemic way. They found that couples who are happy know how to have fun together. It appears that when we have the ability to create and partake in acts of humor and affection, our conflict resolution skills improve as well. Plus one for the party patrol. Point number two, fun makes us smarter. Yep, I said it and the British of Journal Medicine backs it up. One way to improve our memory and concentration is to have more fun. Partially, this has to do with the stress reduction that happens when we engage in something we enjoy. But the benefits of fun activities seem to stretch further than that. It appears that fun activities that introduce us to new ideas and concepts foster self-directed learning. The rewards we gain from these experiences might expand even beyond the obvious benefits. Plus one for the fun patrol. Point number three, fun reduces stress. You probably don't need science to inherently know this already. Engaging in enjoyable activities can be especially powerful antidote to stress. It's been recognized in several studies that spontaneous laughter has a stress-buffering effect that helps us cope better with stress. According to four doctors, Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee, Dr. Lee, and Dr. Kim, haha, I'm not even making that up, 
They researched laughter therapy, and they discovered that those suffering from anxiety, depression, and stress suffered less when they exercised modalities of laughter. In addition to that, there was less negative emotions when compared to those who laughed less. In contrast, those who laughed more showed fewer negative feelings, even in stressful situations. And here's the fun part. In that research study, they showed that you didn't have to be funny or make someone laugh to have great laughter therapy. So don't think that you have to be funny to make others laugh. It appears that the old adage is true. Laughter is the best medicine. Point four, finding more fun in physical activity balances your hormone levels. Gear up. It has been well established that high stress levels negatively influence our hormones and neurotransmitters, especially cortisol and noradrenaline. Stress also affects endocrine, metabolic, and immune functions. Hormones have an amazing effect on our mood. This is true for both genders, said Dr. Kolsch in his 2006 article in the Scientific Report. Certain hormones, such as cortisol, insulin, testosterone, and estrogen, can be particularly influential and cause havoc when they're imbalanced. One way to naturally balance hormones is to engage in pleasurable physical activities. In other words, move and have fun. And when it comes to exercise, find something that's fun to do so it becomes part of your weekly routine. And lastly, fun can make you more energetic and youthful. Stress is draining, so don't spend your money on Botox, sister. No, start having fun. Stress can suck the life out of us, making us tired and cranky. When we effectively reduce our stress levels, this can often produce us with a new boost of vitality. Having fun and playing have traditionally been connected with children and the early years of our development. In today's conversation, we're going to be talking about why fun feels far away, how to make time and schedule fun, and how Sabbath and creating time can lead to healthy measures of fun. I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and Annie F. Downs. Annie F. Downs, you are on. We're going there. Uh, it's about time, B. I'm so thrilled to be here. And I hope we're really going there. I hope you really, we go there. Well, here's the thing. This is what I love. My most favorite thing about the podcast is when I get to talk to people that I actually know. Yes. Like, actually know. So usually I'll do some sort of like warm up and ask some intro questions, but you're my like real friend. We're going. So, yeah. So I'm just saying like, we're already in it and everyone's just <laughs> going to jump in with us. That's, that's what I'm here for. Okay. So Annie, I, I prepped, you do not prep for this, but I'm just asking, do you remember the first place that we met? Oh, the first place we met. Was it in the coffee shop? I have to interrupt this podcast because when Annie and I met in a Nashville coffee shop, we were both single women who were blogging, writing, and speaking at conferences. I knew I loved Annie from afar, but I was afraid I would see a different person up close. I was so happy to be wrong because Annie was fun, smart, hilarious, and just like the person I had seen online. And I say this because 11 years later, she is funnier, smarter, and even more hilarious. It was in the coffee shop. Yeah. It I was, was like, in the is coffee that shop. our first time meeting with Emily Freeman and Lindsay Nobles? It was, it was, if that wasn't the very first, that's the first one that I can really like remember. Me too. And we had, I mean, you, you are the empress of fun and <laughs> I love fun. And so automatically I'm like, oh my gosh, you're so fun. Your energy so great. I love you. And we just like jumped in probably oh. with like no guardrails and it's all the things that I love. All so, the way in. We jumped all the way in and it was so fun. So uh, we are going to, there's so much that we need to talk about. Okay. 
But I really feel like in this season of life where fun has really taken like a backseat to, I don't know, responsibility and talking about justice and talking about pandemics. I love that you get to be on the show today because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we are not fun on today's show, this is bad for your brand. Okay. Uh, like <laughs> It's bad for my calendar and my life. I absolutely we right? will be fun. But you know, what's interesting is a lot of people say that like after 2020, how can we, you know, how can we focus on fun? Everything has gone on. Well, the reality is life was hard before 2020. We just could escape. And so we were mm. calling escapism fun. And we were able to fly away or go to a concert or do a thing that got us out of our bodies and out of our heads and into like, we don't have to think about this anymore. And we called that fun. And then what happened last year is everything we escaped to stopped except alcohol and food and whatever you want to Google, everything else stopped. And so we had to go like, wait, how are we going to have fun? How are we allowed to have fun when the world actually just took away our escapism. It didn't take away our fun. And and this is a beauty about how you communicate, not just like with what you do as your job as a writer, as a speaker, as a communicator, as a podcaster, as the empress of fun. But you have this innate, an innate ability to bring people into this journey with you where you're so fun and yet so real. Nobody does that. So no one does that better than, than you, Annie. And oh, I say kind. this as someone who has, I had a small glimpse into your life for a number of years now. We've known each other for over 10 years. I did the yeah. math before this. Yeah. We've known I each other for over 10 where years. I lived when we met because I'm like, where was I living? Oh, that was 2000. I remember your Camry. Do you remember the Camry? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember your old car. I sat in it. When we, you remember we, somebody's old together. car, that's the real thing. That's, that's the that's real the thing real. right there. Yeah. Yes. Do you remember yes. when back, back then you yelled, you didn't yell at me. You called me one time and you were like, I need you to get new headshots. Here's one thing you will get to know about me. I will always shoot it straight. Annie wasn't lying when she said I told her to get new headshots because I did. And if that wasn't savage enough, I told her one time while speaking on a Girls of Grace tour we were both on that she really needed to work on her shoe game. She had these super cute outfits and then she killed her vibe with some like bootsy looking shoes. So listen, you might think it was rude of me to have called her out, but remember what I said in my episode with Ben Stewart? We aren't just supposed to speak the truth in love. When we speak the truth, it is love. Carry on, friends. You're like, you should be getting oh headshots every six to nine months. And I was like, oh I my gosh, I am the best and worst friend You're the ever. best. It's Because I, I just, I have to be honest. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. And you were gosh. like, it's time for new headshots. And I was like, I mean, I made a call the next day to get new headshots. I was like, she's right. So thank but you. You know what? Can I just, as a, as a friend who just keeps it real, I'm also going to affirm where affirmation is due. Your headshots lately have been like fire. You right. look so good. Your hair village, is on point. Thank you. I, hey, listen, I'm here for it. I'm like a plus Annie F down. Listen, if we're it. really going to go there, let's talk about what it's like to get headshots because there is not, a, I, I work at my confidence on a daily basis. In fact, I said mm. on my show, I don't talk about my body very much on that sounds fun. The podcast, but I said, one of my goals this year is to be confident in my body, not in spite of my body and, Ooh. and working. Wait, it, you're going to have to yeah, say that again. Yeah. Cause I'm going to make a meme of this. I know. Please go. I know. Uh, I want to be confident in my body, not in spite of my body. Mm. And there is no day that challenges that more than a headshot day. Cause Hello. a lot of people are seeing you change clothes. A lot of people are correcting you, fixing you, telling you what to do. And then you get back a thousand pictures and the world sees five. 
Mm-hmm. But those other nine ninety five are hard for me, are hard mm-hmm. for me. And and I'm not a person who's like shave eight pounds off of this side and tighten this up and de-wrinkle this. Though there there have been times where pictures have been improved, and that's just how this game goes, <laughs> you know. But I it, it, headshots are hard for me. They're not like there's a lot of people who are like. You know, I think of some of the Instagram influencers who do photo mm-hmm. shoots every week. I'm like, mm-hmm. maybe either that would be worse for me or better. Either I'd get more comfortable and normal at it versus doing it once a year, or I would it would I would do the mental games that I have to do every time I get headshots once a week. I think that this is a good dovetail into kind of like lifting the hood per se. Yeah. If we were in your old Camry. We are lifting the hood and we're going to have honest conversations. So much of what people see about your personality and who you are is 100% you because I know you. And though we live on opposite sides of the nation and we only technically see each other maybe two, three times a year. And it's usually at conferences. I feel like we have one of those friendships where we could pick up right right where we left off. And I appreciate that. I also appreciate how honest you are and how you communicate and where you communicate from your podcast, your books. I mean, back in the day, blogging uh, to conferences, it is so raw and it's so real and it's so Annie. However, I think that you do such a really good job about letting people see some of the pain points in your life without vomiting all that needs to be said. And in your book, your most recent book, that sounds fun. You talk, about your migraines. Yeah. You talk about the Jenga game. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk about a lot of things that I don't think most people knew in the moment. Yeah. And so I think friendships and reemerging into everyday life post pandemic and all this other stuff, relationships feel very scary. And like, how do we talk about what we're really dealing with in places that are safe? And can you walk us through a little bit of how do we still maintain the fun, true version of ourselves publicly while still processing some of the pain? behind the scenes and under the hood. Yeah, because I think part of the problem is people feel like if I don't tell the whole story, I'm not being authentic. Mm. And not just me, but if someone else might say that to themselves, if I, if I don't tell this whole story, if I don't put on Instagram every detail of my parents' death or every detail of this breakup or every detail of this sad story in my life, how I lost a job or what 2020 has been like, then I'm not being authentic. So I'd rather not say anything than, not, than have to say everything. And, and what I am learning and have learned is that there is a real authentic place where you, where you know the difference. I just was with a group of people and taught this, this pattern of secret life, private life, personal life, public life. Okay. Hmm. So think about those four. We all have those four. A public life, it just exists. If you walk out of your house, if you have one friend on Facebook, you have a public life. So you can't do anything about it. It exists. Secret life, you shouldn't have it all, actually. And actually, what you accept with God, there should be nothing behavior-wise, decision-wise, relationship-wise that no one knows about you. And, and, and the challenge, the question you're asking is, what's the private life and what's the personal life? Yeah. Like, what is what stays private? So it's not secret. Someone knows, but it doesn't go public at all. Personal stuff is that used to be private. And there's some really hard parts of this or some challenging parts of this to share, but I'm taking it public because I want to be vulnerable. And so for me, I run that filter over everything I share is, is I don't have anything that's a secret there. You are one of the people that could say, tell me four things. And I go, I don't want to tell you these four things, but I'll tell, you know, like, 
mm-hmm. especially being not married yet. Yeah. I don't live with anyone who watches how I handle Oreos. Right. Right. <laughs> and so I can I can have a real secret love relationship with Oreos and no one ever know. And it's not right. that Oreos are bad. It's how I choose to consume them and why and Ooh. why I hide it. Mm. Right. I mean, I think about this a lot, B. I think when I get married someday, someone's going to see everything I eat and someone's going to mm. see. I mean, I know there's ways to be secretive. I get it. You can hide anything. Hashtag affairs. I get it. People hide <laughs> things a lot. But my affair is going to be with Oreos. And yeah. how do we. And so I, and so at this point in my life, nothing is secret. People know how I feel about Oreos. People know what I Google. People know what I struggle with. I mean, there is. What I drink, what I eat, who I'm with, none of that's secret. The challenge of how to have a really fun life is is that, like, what's private for just my people and what's mm-hmm. personal that's important to share with bigger groups. So one of them is what do you and your husband talk about at dinner? And the other is what are you willing to share at your small group dinner? Mm. Right. That has yeah. that at some point was just a conversation with your one person. And now it's a conversation with your seven people that are invested in your life. And that's how you find fun B is knowing those lines. I think, I think it's knowing those lines and living in those lines and being authentic there because there are things, you know, as my friend that aren't ever probably going to go public, but are really mm. private to me, but they aren't secrets. Nobody. It's not that nobody knows. It's that the handful right. of y'all that are up close in certain seasons get to know, get to know, have to know is probably the truer story, <laughs> have to know the private things for me so that yeah. I don't feel like I'm a machine who performs all the time. Because if you don't have private, you are a brand. And if you don't have personal, you are not authentic and vulnerable, right? If you don't have anything personal, it feels hard to tell. No right. one's going to believe you because you're either per- private, you, sorry, you're either private or you are public. There's not this middle thing. And so mm. these are the two, while it's very easy to define public and secret, it's a lot harder to define private and personal, and you have to work right. at it. Let me talk to you about better help. In 2021, it's definitely okay to talk about our mental and emotional happiness. Humans aren't meant to keep everything inside, and therapy helps. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to worry about seeing anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and we're going there. Listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash WGT. That's BetterHelp.com slash WGT, for we're going there. Okay, so all of us wrestle with some sort of, we'll just use, we'll continue with your Oreo example. All yeah. of us have some sort of like Oreo, that, Oreo, Oreo addiction or 
everyone's got an Oreo. Everyone's got an Oreo. So when we talk about like concepts of fun and vulnerability, transparency, being authentic, I think maybe some people might get maybe a little confused on fun as the empress of fun. Actually, you have a title. Hold on. Fun coach. Uh, the expert of fun. Yeah, an expert. Fun yeah. coach, yeah. expert of fun. Yeah. I saw that expert of fun. But I just think like you were an empress of fun because you I carry like yourself so with this. so much better. With the regality of like Queen yes. Elizabeth if she had a personality. Okay? Oh. So I'm here for it. I'm she's here private for it. and she's public, but she's not personal, so we don't know Ex- her. See? Exactly. And I yep. feel like you allow us to get you so I so yeah. and see you. So I'm gonna say Empress of Fun. Yeah. But maybe can you help us define mm-hmm. fun? So we started the podcast and I loved just kind of like we just dove deep. That's the yeah. thing with you. You're so fun. And then all of a sudden you're like sucked into this deep <laughs> abyss of like self-introspection, yes. like, oh my gosh. So talk to me about fun. As an expert of fun, as a coach of fun, the empress of fun, how are we defining or misdefining fun yeah. in 2021? Well, one thing is I don't like to describe people's fun or describe fun because it won't encompass what everyone thinks is fun. It's mm-hmm. a very unique thing. The The deeper question is, do you believe that you are who God made you and that you like what you like for a reason and that you love? That's why the subtitle says the power of falling in love is because can you actually just believe God made you on purpose and what you love, you love for a reason? I love the French horn. Why? Why the French horn over the cello or the flute? I don't know. But there's something to that. And the more, so if you and I were sitting at a table and someone said, what sounds fun to you? And I said, the French horn. Then the next conversation is, well, why? And I go, well, I just, I love their role in a band or in an orchestra because they aren't the loud trumpet, but they're a really important second piece. And I'm like, huh, what does that tell me about me? Right? And so, so part (laughs) of this is how do you define fun? Well, how did God make you? Who are you? What matters to you? The, the language I use to separate fun from escapism is saying like, if you say, if only I could fill in the blank, if only I could eat the Oreos, if only I had a day off of work, if only I could fly to Paris, if only I could drink as much as I want to drink, if only I could text him again. The if mm. onlys are usually escape. Mm-hmm. The I can't wait to is usually fun. So the if onlys, if you start listening to yourself and you go, oh, my whole life is full of if onlys, I'm tired. I'm tired and my calendar's too busy and I've got too mm-hmm. much stress because my whole, the only time I think about relief, I, I say if only. And, and if that's what's happening, then you need to back up, talk to a counselor, a partner, a mentor, a spiritual director, and go like, hey, I'm noticing that I only want to escape. I'm not looking for fun. I'm looking to get out. I don't want to get out permanently, hopefully, but I want to get out. And and when you hear those if onlys, when I hear them in me, B, when I, I mean, I'm saying it to myself today. If only it was warmer. I'm so tired of the winter. If only it was warm. <laughs> and the problem with if only it was warm is I am going to miss this season I'm in right. if, I'm, if I'm trying to live for June. Yep. And so, and so we can't, if only, and if only is going to be how you misdefine fun. The same happens with youth group kids where we're taught the fun things are the things that are not legal. Right. You can't do the fun things. Right. And a, <laughs> and a 17 year old boy goes, if only I could do what I want to do. If only I could drink what I want to drink. If only I could be in the car with who I want to be in the car with by ourselves mm-hmm. at a, up at Makeout Mountain, then if only, and you go like, oh, that is the stuff that leads me to making mistakes. The if onlys walk me toward mistakes that I can't wait to. I can't wait to be in a relationship where we get to know each other emotionally and physically. Well, great. Everyone grows in that. That's a Mm -hmm. really fun thing. The 
if only we could do the things we want to do is going to walk you to sin. Hmm. So for someone who's listening to this and they're hearing, uh, maybe there's somebody like, I don't know, hypothetically me sure. that really or loves me. fun yes. or you, um, how do we prioritize fun? And when does fun become maybe escapism? So sometimes yeah. as I'm listening to you and processing and even reading the book, I'm realizing, huh, what is escapism that I'm just naming fun? Yeah. Well, we're naming it all fun, right? Like we're not calling mm. any of it escapism because we just don't want to think we are that way. Yeah. <laughs> and we want to think yeah. it's fun. And so I think, I think the biggest question that you can start asking yourself in those moments when you're trying to define it and when you're going like, how do I do this? That's what you're asking, right? Is how you define yeah. it. How do, well, two things. How do we, how do you define fun? And then how can I prioritize fun? Prioritize. Because everything right. is fun, then nothing's fun. So like. Yeah, I mean, that's so, almost true. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, how do you prioritize it? I, For starters, what I tell people all the time when I'm like, fun coaching my friends or people like, like I'm having a podcast moment with is I will say, well, what would you do with 30 minutes on Saturday? Like if you just put a 30 minute block on your Saturday and it just said fun, what would you do? What would you do in mm -hmm. that 30 minutes? And that will get you started. And I would say you should actually do put that on your calendar, just like you put workouts on your calendar, just like you put rest on your calendar. There is really something about putting fun on your calendar until it is natural. Because for me, I started practicing Sabbath about five years ago, six years ago, and it was once a week and it's always on my calendar. Well, now my brain knows that that's Saturday. And so I don't have to like I don't have to move things around anymore because it's become part of my rhythm. And mm -hmm. that's what will happen with fun too. But be an important thing to remember is that fun is really hard to prioritize if you're exhausted all the time. And so God's Ooh. invitation to rest is a precursor to an invitation to fun. Because if you're with your kids and they want to play baseball outside, if you, if this was your 20 minute nap, it's going to be hard to have fun. And, and so we actually have to build lives that just have more space in them than the life we have today. And that's hard because you have to say no to things that make you money and that make you famous and that give you these things you thought you wanted because you're missing out on fun and rest. Mm. And, and so that's how you prioritize it is you sacrifice for it and you put it on your calendar. Even if you just do it for a month or two months, just to see if it actually changes your life. If it doesn't, Take it back off your calendar and fill your calendar back up with what was what you thought was bringing you joy before. But my guess is if you put a 30-minute block of fun on your calendar, then within a month, if you do that once a week by week four, you're going to wish you had a little more time. So on week five, you're going to put an hour for you and your friends or you and your husband or wife or you and your family. So you really hold Sabbath. I mean, I mean, it's, it, is, it is on your- it. I was going to say that, but then I didn't want to sell. I didn't want to make you sound like a Pharisee, but no. no, you really are. You were so religious with your Sabbath. Yeah. And like, so I'm trying to employ in defining. So I've been to Israel. You've been to Israel. Yes. I've been to Israel so many times. I, I found out I was half a percent Jew and it changed my life. Uh, like I'm Jewish. Like this yes. is amazing. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> but my struggle is, is how in Judaism, how they def define Sabbath is literally antithetical to my fabric. And so okay. it wasn't until I started talking to you about like fun and Sabbath, can you, can you co-sign or correct? Yeah. Okay. Co-sign or correct me in this for me, Sabbath isn't 
so in Israel, they aren't allowed to touch elevator buttons. Yeah, they have to no work. pre-cook all their food. I mean, yeah. it is, it is a deal. So I think in my mind, Sabbath is no work at all. Right. But for me, Sabbath is fun. So if I put going to the beach and playing tennis and watching Grey's Anatomy and cooking a healthy meal and being with friends and family, w- would you co-sign that that is Sabbath? Are you making me your Sabbath judge? A kind of, kind of, you know, a low key legalist here. So I'm like, if I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong and I can course correct. But like for me, like staying at home, doing nothing, but like meditating on God, it's actually draining for me. No, (laughs) am I the worst Christian ever? No, no, no. (laughs) And in fact, uh, John Mark Comer, a teacher we both love when he teaches about Sabbath, he says it's rest and worship and celebration. And so if, if anything falls into those three, then you can do it on your Sabbath with joy. Yes. So yes. Let, I'll tell you a little bit. The only thing you said that I wouldn't do on a Sabbath is TV. Only because okay. I need to take a day away from technology. And okay. I think it's really That's helpful right. yeah. to take a day away from your phone. Besides, I respond to people because I'm not married yet, don't have kids yet. I I would be alone my entire Sabbath if I didn't respond to people or reach out to people. So normally mine is shaped like I wake up when I want to wake up. One of the benefits of not having any dependence in my life. (laughs) I can sleep late. When I get up, I read as long as I want to and kind of like journal and kind of like have a little more time in that space of my life, my reading and praying time. I usually try to do some sort of exercise, but nothing that not, I'm not trying to hit goals. Usually I'm trying to just move on my Sabbath versus trying to achieve, right? I'm just working at not checking off another, an extra five pound lift that I did or something. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'll usually after lunch, I will, I'm with you. I love cooking something that takes a long time or is a recipe I haven't tried yet. And afternoon, I usually try to see friends and like go on a walk with somebody or go to dinner with Mm -hmm. friends or play with people's kids or kind of whatever brings me joy in the afternoon. Um, I'll tell you one thing that happens a lot because my Sabbath is quiet, because there's no TV, because there's no Instagram, because there is no um, um, outward entertainment as I usually grieve. And my personality Mm. needs that. Every time I leave my counselor's office, I make the next appointment because I know I'm going to be forced to feel feelings again. And I am very good at having fun all the time. And, And so counseling helps me with that. And Sabbath slows me down. And, and there are times right now, Bianca, where I'll say, okay, I don't, I don't have time to be upset about that, but on Saturday I will. And I don't have time to be disappointed Mm -hmm. about that today, but on Saturday I will, because I know part of Sabbath is quiet. And part of Sabbath Mm -hmm. is, is time with God and with myself. And, and so I usually end up grieving something, but that's because my personality doesn't make space for it the rest of the week. There are people who sit down in Sabbath and they laugh more or they read more Mm -hmm. or they talk more with their family because all during the week, their personality says, put your head down, get to work. Don't, you know, you're, you're too tired to have this conversation, but you won't be too tired halfway through a Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And so, and so I think it's real personality based, just like I think with fun, but if it is rest, if it is worship for you, if it's celebration for you, I think it is wide open on that day every week where you try to build a different rhythm than the rest of the yeah. days. Annie, I absolutely love how you could take hard concepts and make them so simple and fun. Good. Like 
like Sabbath. Okay. I will say you're right. I probably need to cut out of the technology side for my Sabbath. Um, but other than that, I would give myself like an A minus. And I usually, for sure. And I usually do, I will never grade your Sabbath, but I, (laughs) I usually like after dinner, if I want to watch a show, you know, in Israel, it's sundown down on Friday to sundown on Saturday. That's right. And so normally what I will do is my, so if I'm practicing on a Saturday, which it moves based on travel, but if I'm practicing Mm. Sabbath on a Saturday, after work on Friday, I'm and during the day, like usually Thursday night, I'm doing groceries. After work on Friday, I'm like straightening up the house. I am watching the news and I am checking on anything else I want to check up on the internet. And then after dinner, I'm kind of done for the day, done for Sabbath of social media. And so I'm usually gone and done with technology by dark on Friday night. And so mm. unless we're at a concert or if, you know, if we're out doing things that we did in 2019, but my, <laughs> and so, but then after dinner Saturday, I'm usually like, do y'all want to watch a movie? Do we want to, do I want to watch a show? Like, so, and I really love Saturday night live. It's, I think it's not always appropriate. It's not always good, but I feel like it's a real cu- culture touch point. And, it totally is. And so I like watching that on Saturday nights if I can stay up that late. So, but I also know for you and I, our travel life doesn't always mean we practice Sabbath on Saturdays. Right. And right. So, and, and even you church, you're very Sunday. involved. Yes. I, and, and you're very involved at Crosspoint. Like, yep. so I think that you, this is another thing that you really help with. And I, I want people to know that like Sabbaths release us for fun. Cause yes. I want to make sure that we're connecting those two, that we're not yes. just having a separate Sabbath conversation and Sabbath for those that maybe don't have like a faith background or spiritual background. It's just a pause in our week. For those yep. with a faith background, we acknowledge what God has done. We are grateful. We give our bodies a, a chance to rest and recuperate. Yes. But for me, I think, again, hashtag legalist, I always thought like Sabbath is Sunday or Sabbath is Saturday. Yeah, well, yeah. that never works out for my schedule. So oh, I, I felt imagine. myself going into like a rut or saying like, okay, I'll Sabbath after Sunday. Well, I'm so knackered after three services at church and yes. hanging out. I'm not Sabbathing. I'm passing out. Like I'm exhausted. So my Sabbath now is usually when uh, Thursday afternoon to Friday late morning. Yeah. And I just feel like I could breathe. I could catch my breath and it feels different because it's not one day or it isn't on the weekend or whatever, but I've, I've actually learned so much from watching you and listening to you before we, before we transition back to fun. Yeah. yeah. Is there a resource that you would recommend for somebody that's like hearing this and they're for, it's a foreign concept, but like, you were like, Oh, this is a book that you have to read or an article that you have to read. I can link it in the show notes. Yeah. John Mark Comer's book, uh, the ruthless elimination of hurry is really good. The one that got me started practicing was garden city by him. And, um, and they have, maybe it's 19 or 20 in January, they did a series at Bridgetown church where he preaches on Sabbath. That was multiple weeks. And that really helped me shape my practice. Cause it's a practice. Like mm-hmm. it is something, and, and you're having to really practice from a Thursday to a Friday, because that means everyone in your world has to learn. They're not going to yep. get an email response Friday morning. And yeah. they're not going to get this and that from you on Friday morning. And, and people have learned that about me too. When I, when I was practicing on Wednesdays, cause I was traveling on weekends. I mean, it was complicated at first. And then, <laughs> and then once people learned, like, we're probably not going to get Annie Tuesday night to Wednesday night, they did it and they survived. Everyone actually survived it. Yeah. So it's a great thing. Families. I, I, I know a couple of families who practice really beautifully and, and get their little kids involved and, it doesn't look the same as it does for you and me, but it it is still practicing Sabbath and modeling it for your kids. So I love it. And I think it's really closely tied to fun. I, mm. I just, I think they go hand in hand often. 
So we, we spoke about like defining what fun is, how prioritizing fun, um, how we like can find fun even in the midst of Sabbath, which the, I actually was not going to bring up the Sabbath conversation because I feel like I talk to you about Sabbath every single time, but it's just so, you're it. so good at it. And I feel like when you mentioned the correlation between Sabbath and fun, yes. that was like very freeing. Yes. But like, I'm, I'm thinking about the person on the other end of this podcast that's yeah. listening in and they want fun. Yeah. But maybe they're wrestling with like, I just don't have fun right now. Yeah. Or how can I find fun in a hard season? As we kind of wrap up, like, can you speak to him? Can you speak to her? And as our fun coach, the Empress yes. of Fun, what do you say? Let me fun coach you. Um, for mm -hmm. starters, I would say just remind yourself, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be long. It can be an afternoon. It can be an hour lunch break. It can be cross-stitching while you're watching TV. It can be cooking through a cookbook. It can be buying a soccer ball that you haven't owned since sixth grade and just having it in your car. So the reminder, my first reminder is it's, it can be small. And also if we were, if me and the friend on the other side, those who don't know how to find fun, were sitting at coffee, I would say, here are the two questions I would ask. What did you do in third grade on a Saturday? Because you may not be able to exactly do that. Like you may have played baseball or you may have been in a choir or you may have um, done some done some cooking with your grandparents. There's something to that activity you did as an elementary age kid on a Saturday that you need to revisit and you need to invite pieces of it back and just see what happens if you, because when you dive down into fun B, what usually happens with every person, when I, if we're sitting around the table and I say, tell me what sounds fun to you and everybody goes around, if I keep going, tell me why. Well, well, tell me why again. Now tell me why. And you dig down. It almost always ends with, well, when I was little, dot, 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 because we are all looking for home and we are yeah. all looking for that simplicity and that peace. And while we can't unknow what we know, we can certainly go back and grab pieces of that and bring it in our today. And that fun will remind you of the home you've been looking for. Annie, I love you. Oh, I love me. you. I love how you really inspire people to discover a different aspect and different side of God every single time that you teach, every single time that you talk. Thank you for your levity. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for this book. Talk to me about how people can get this book and how they can support you with That Sounds Fun, the book. Yes. So the book is everywhere you love to buy books. You can go to Target. There's a special edition at Target. There's some autographed ones on Barnes & Noble's website. And of course, it's at your favorite local bookstore, which is usually my first stop here in Nashville at Parnassus. And of course, Amazon has, has a bunch. So you're going to be fine getting them any of those places. And I am embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs everywhere. F is for fun. So anywhere you're looking for fun, <laughs> Annie F. Downs will be there. Oh, can, can I just brag on you for a second? Sure. The idea of hitting New York Times yeah. list with this book proves to the world that fun is necessary. Fun yeah. is needed. And fun provides a sense of home for us in seasons yes. that feel a little bit off. And so I'm so proud to know you. I'm so proud that be able to spend this time with you and to share a little bit of our friendship with our online friends. So I yes. love you. Thank you. And love I can't you. wait for people to get this book in their hands. Thanks, friend. Friends, if you haven't added F-U-N to your calendar, I don't know what to tell you. But if you love this episode, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review so this podcast can be shared with more people. Also, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with your friends and tag at Annie F. Downs and at Bianca Oltoff so more people can join the fun. 
Don't hurt our feelings, like Annie said. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I still am recovering like recovering homeschooler. From my heart to yours, sending you much love, and I can't wait to chat next week. <laughs>